Section 11 of the History of Lady Julia Mandeville. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Lady Julia Mandeville by Francis Brooke. Section 11. Epistle George to George Mardaunt, Esquire. June 23rd. They are come. The impatient villagers crowd the hall, eager to behold them, transport in every eye, whilst the noble pair scarce retain the tender tear of glowing benevolence. How lovely a picture was the audience they come from giving! How sweet the intercourse of warm beneficence and ardent gratitude! My heart melted at the sight. This evening is devoted to joy. I alone... Oh, Mordaunt! Have I known this paradise only to be driven forever from it? I cannot to-night mention leaving Belmont's. Tomorrow I will propose it. I am in doubt where to go. My father is absent from camp on a visit of a fortnight to the Duke of Blank, his colonel. I have some thoughts of going to Lord T. Blank's. Till his return, perhaps I may come to town. All places but this are equal to me. Yet I must leave it. I am every moment more sensible of my danger. Yes, Mordaunt, I love her. I can no longer deceive myself. I love her with the fondest passion. Friendship is too cold a name for what I feel, too cold for charms like hers to inspire. Yet heaven is my witness. I am incapable of a wish to her disadvantage. Her happiness is my first, my only object, I know not what I would say. Why does fortune forever oppose the tender union of hearts? Farewell. H. Mandeville Epistle Colonel to Colonel Belleville Saturday My lord has brought us a thousand presents, a thousand books, a thousand trinkets, all in so exquisite a taste. He is the sweetest man in the world, certainly, such delight in obliging. Tis happy for you he is not thirty years younger and disengaged. I should infallibly have a passion. He has brought Harry the divinest horse. We've been seeing him ride, spring from the ground like feathered mercury. You can have no conception how handsome he looks on horseback. Poor Lady Julia's little innocent heart. I can't say I was absolutely insensible myself. You know I am infinitely fond of beauty, and vastly above dissembling it. Indeed, it seems immensely absurd that one is allowed to be charmed with living perfection in every species but our own, and that there one must admire only dead colours. One may talk in raptures of a lifeless Adonis, and not of a breathing Harry Mandeville. Is not this a despicable kind of prudery? For my part, I think nature's colouring vastly preferable to the noblest attempts of art, and am not the less sensible to the graces of a fine form, because it is animated. Adieu, we are going to dine at the Hermitage. Lord Belmont is to be my Sisispio. Epistle George To George Mardaunt, Esquire How inconsistent is the human mind! I cannot leave Belmont. I cannot give up the delight of beholding her. I fancy a softness in her manner, 
which raises the most flattering ideas. She blushes when her eyes meet mine. Though I see the madness of hope, I indulge in it in spite of myself. No one can deserve her. Yet, as Lord Belmont honors me with his esteem, I would persuade myself fortune alone forbids. I will struggle with impossibilities. I have many and powerful friends. We have a prince in the early prime of life, the season of generous virtue, a prince to whom the patriot glow, and that disinterested loyalty which is almost my whole inheritance, cannot but be the strongest recommendations. To him it may be merit to have suffered when the basest of the people rose on the ruins of their country. Those ample possessions which would have descended to me, and might have raised my hopes to the most angelic of womankind, were gloriously spent in endeavouring to support the throne, when shaken by the rage of faction and narrow-minded, bigoted enthusiasm. The younger branch of our family escaped the storm by having a minor at its head. To this accident, the partiality of an ancestor, and the military talents of his father, Lord Belmont owes the affluence he so nobly enjoys, and which I only of all mankind have cause to regret. These circumstances raise a flattering hope. My views are confused, but I will pursue the track. If I succeed, I may openly avow my passion. If not, the secret of my love shall die with me. Never, my friend, will I attempt her heart by unworthy means. Let me endeavor to deserve, and leave to heaven to determine whether I shall possess the noblest gift it has to bestow. Farewell. H. Mandeville Epistle George to George Mardon, Esquire August 1st I have heard from my father on the subject of Lady Mary's intended settlement, who extremely disapproves my intention of entirely declining it, which he thinks cannot be founded on any motives worthy of me, but on a false pride of disdaining to be obliged, which is in this case unjust, and greatly below my character. That I might as well object to receiving a part of his estate, which he intends to settle on me at the same time. He says Lord Belmont acts properly, and consistently with himself, and does not at all mean to break in on that independence which can never be too highly valued. That Lady Julia would scarce perceive such an addition to her already splendid fortune, whilst this settlement fixes in some degree of affluence the elder branch of the family, which lost its superiority by the injustice of an ancestor, and that heroic loyalty which has ever characterized our house. That he will talk further with me on this subject when we meet, but in the meantime advises me as a friend zealous for my interest, yet not the less attentive to my honor and the propriety of my conduct, to accept the immediate settlement of five hundred pounds a year, which will enable me to be serviceable to my country, but to postpone to some distant time settling the whole, and to insist that Lady Mary be convinced I deserve her friendship before she lavishes it so profusely on me. This advice gives me pleasure, as it coincides with my own present sentiments. Eager to pursue my scheme of rising to such consequence as may justify my hopes of the only event desirable to me in this world, I am happy in the thought of appearing in every light in which I can attract the notice of my prince, and by steadily serving him and my country, 
whose true interest must ever be the same, deserve that favor on which all my designs are founded. The time not being yet arrived when I can serve the noblest cause in the Senate, I will go to Germany, and endeavor first to signalize myself in the manner most suited to my period of life, the season of action, not of counsel. It is shameful at my age to recline in the flowery bower of indolence, when the whole world is in arms. I have not yet begun to live. My time has hitherto been less passed in acting than in preparing to act my part on the great theatre of human life. Oh, Mordaunt, should I succeed in my views, should the hour come when I may openly avow my passion for the most lovely of womankind, this is the sweet hope which fires my soul and animates me to the glorious pursuit. Why do closeted moralists, strangers to the human heart, rail indiscriminately at love? When inspired by a worthy object, it leads to everything that is great and noble. Warmed by the desire of being approved by her, there is nothing I would not attempt. I will today write to my father for his consent, and embark immediately for the army. I have just received your letter. You call my design madness. The light in which every animated purpose will appear to minds inactive, unimpassioned, and sunk in the lethargic calm of lifeless tranquillity. Mordaunt, you speak the cold language of a heart at rest. Talk not of impossibilities. Nothing is impossible to a soul impelled by the most lively of all passions, and ardent in a pursuit on which its whole happiness depends. Nothing is impossible to him who aspires to please the most lovely, the most amiable, the most exalted of her sex. I feel, I know, I shall be successful. I ask not advice, but declare my settled purpose. I am already determined." And if your friendship be warm as mine, you will not torture me by further opposition. My father alone has power to change my resolution, but it is a power he will not exert. I shall ask his permission, but inform him at the same time that by refusing he cuts off all the hope of my future days and chains me down to a life of tasteless insensibility. I know him well. He will advise... He will remonstrate if he disapproves, but he will leave me that freedom of choice which is the inherent right of every rational being, and which he never in one instance invaded when I was much less capable of judging for myself. Fearful, however, lest he should disapprove my passion for Lady Julia, I shall not declare it to him at present, but, as I never will even tacitly deceive him, I shall tell him I have a motive to this design, which I beg his leave to conceal from him, till I have a prospect of success. I this morning mentioned leaving Belmont, but my lord insists on my staying a few days longer, which are devoted to domestic happiness. I cannot refuse without making him suspect some latent cause, nor will it make any difference in my plan, since I must wait somewhere and answer for my father which will reach Belmont about the time I shall now leave it. Tomorrow, seven night, expect me in town. I shall stay but two nights. I need little preparation. My equipage and attendants are already greatly beyond my fortune, and rather suited to what you call the madness of my expectations. My father, the most generous of mankind, has always proportioned my expenses more to my birth than his moderate income. 
as my companions have ever been of the first rank, he has supported me greatly above myself, and on a full equality with them, lest I should be dazzled to mean compliances with their faults, by the false splendor they might receive from a superiority in these outward distinctions. Did I tell you Lord Belmont had presented me with a beautiful Arabian horse, which he bought when in town? What delight has he in giving pleasure to others! What addition, if that can admit addition, to the happiness of the man who is blessed with Lady Julia, will it be to be so nearly allied to worth like Lord Belmont's? Oh, Mordaunt, were it possible, it is, it must, I will not give room to the faintest idea of disappointment. Adieu! I have this moment a letter from my father, which I must answer to-night. H. Mandeville End of Section 11